Eternal God, in the reading of the Scripture, may Your Word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may Your Word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may Your Word be shown. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 17 through 22. Don't obstruct the legal rights of an immigrant or orphan. Don't take a widow's coat as pledge for a loan. Remember how you were a slave in Egypt, but how the Lord your God saved you from that. That's why I'm commanding you to do this thing. Whenever you are reaping the harvest of your field, and you leave some of the grain in the field, don't go back and get it. Let it go to the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows, so that the Lord your God blesses you in all that you do. Similarly, when you beat the olives off your olive trees, don't go back over them twice. Let the leftovers go to the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows. Again, when you pick the grapes of your vineyard, don't pick them over twice. Let the leftovers go to the immigrants, the orphans, and the widows. Remember how you were a slave in Egypt. That's why I am commanding you to do this thing. Our next reading is from Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort in love, any sharing in the Spirit, any sympathy, complete my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united, and agreeing with each other. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Our Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. Then Jesus said to the person who had invited him, When you host a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers and sisters, your relatives or rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you in return. And that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, crippled, lame, and blind. And you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. When one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, Happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. Jesus replied, A certain man hosted a large dinner and invited many people. When it was time for the dinner to begin, he sent his servant to tell the invited guests, Come, the dinner is now ready. One by one, they all began to make excuses. The first one told him, I bought a farm and must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I bought five teams of oxen, and I'm going to check on them. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. When he returned, the servant reported these excuses to his master. The master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go quickly to the city streets the busy ones in the side streets and bring the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. The servant said, Master, your instructions have been followed and there is still room. The master said to the servant, Go to the highways and back alleys and urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will taste my dinner. So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. the end of those in need, we come to the third message. And it was hard to figure out exactly how to group these because we talked about the immigrant, we talked about the poor, 
And they actually sort of get lumped into this final group. And the problem was, I was trying to figure out what they all had in common, because we also have the orphan and the widow, the lame, the blind, the sick. And as I was trying to figure out what they all had in common, I started to think of them as the abandoned. Because in that day and time, they were people that no longer had anyone to care for them. The orphan, obviously, because their parents are gone. The widow, because her husband would have been the one who would have inherited any family land that would have owned everything, and that she would now be out on her own. And if family couldn't take care of either of them, they'd have nowhere to go. If someone had a skin disease, they would likely be out on the streets begging because they were unclean and nobody would want to be near them. Same thing with those who are blind, that if there was no family to take care of them, they would not be able to work and they would be out begging for whatever they could find. And we find that there's many protections laid out throughout the Bible for this group of people who had been abandoned and left on their own. And the recurring theme is that God says somebody has to take care of them and that we are somebody. And we start back in Deuteronomy looking at the law. And we're told, don't obstruct the legal rights of the abandoned. Don't take their coat as a pledge for a loan. But remember that you were a slave in Egypt. Remember that somebody took advantage of you. And remember that if you were a slave in Egypt and I delivered you, that they were a slave in Egypt as well and I have delivered them. But I didn't deliver them so that they could become slaves to you. I delivered them so that they could be free. And rules are laid out. If you harvest your field, go over it once, and then that's everything. Don't go back for more. If there's something left, leave it for those who are in need. Those who have nobody to provide for them, now you will provide for them. Did you leave olives behind? They go to those in need. You left grapes behind? They're now the grapes for people in need. And this is a hard concept. It was a hard concept then, and it's a hard concept now. Because we live in a society where greed is valued. We don't like to think about how much greed is valued in our society, but we need to look no further than the people that are often listed up as successful. People who have enough money to start their own small country and take care of pretty much anybody who would be in need. And we lift them up as people who are doing great things. Even if it means that they step on the backs of others to get where they are. Even if it means that they think of themselves to get to where they are. And then we pat them on the back when they give a pittance to someone in need and we go, well, look at how generous they are. 
we look at greed and think of it as a building block to our society instead of a stumbling block to who we should truly be. We forget that there are still people that would benefit from the types of things that we talk about in Deuteronomy. That we think about the programs the government has and we go, well, that must take care of it now. They may not be going out to the fields and getting what they need from what's left, but there are programs to take care of them. I can tell you this now, those programs often fall short. They often fall short because we've got a lot of rules in place that make it easy for somebody to be just outside of getting aid, but still far from where they need to be to be able to live. And people fall through the cracks. And it seems that every year, politicians try to make those cracks a little bit bigger. And that wherever we turn, there are people in need. Paul encourages the Philippians, don't do anything for selfish purposes. But with humility, think of others. Don't even think of yourself first. All of you should be thinking about the benefit and the welfare of everyone else. And often our first response is, well, what happens to me then? Who's thinking about me? Well, in Paul's example, everyone else is thinking of you. And when we do that, we put ourselves in a situation where we go, well, what does everybody else need? And we try to take care of the needs of others. And instead of just one person looking out for one person, we have a whole field of people looking out for each other. Not thinking, will this help me? But simply thinking, will this help those in need? And Jesus paints for us maybe the starkest picture yet of just how high a hurdle it is to be able to go and help those that cannot help themselves. And he starts by talking about who to invite to a party. Now, I, I can't tell you how important it was to eat with people. Sitting down and eating with somebody was a sign of acceptance and a sign of status. And it's why Jesus shocked people when he sat down and ate with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and people. And, well, what are you doing? Why would you accept these people? And the short answer would be, why not? They're people in need of love like anyone else. And he takes it a step further by telling this person who has invited him to come dine with them, you know who you should invite not your family, not your friends, not these people that are going to raise your status. You should invite the people that have no one. You should invite the people that don't have anybody that would normally invite them to go anywhere. Invite the sick. Invite the lame. Invite the blind. Bring in the widow and the orphan. Bring in anybody that has no one. Because they can't repay you. If you're just looking for another invitation, then you've gotten your reward, and that's all you're ever going to get. 
is people paying you back. But if you take care of them, God takes notice. And I love this story because it's twofold, because then somebody at the party goes, well, that's just fantastic. Blessed are those who eat at God's table in the kingdom. Blessed are those who can pull this off. And so Jesus stops to tell a story. And I can't help but think it was the idea that somebody thought, oh, I bet I fit into this. I would get invited to that table. And so he goes, all right. There was a guy who wanted to hold a big party and he invited these people to come and they all made excuses and they couldn't come. So he invites in all those people that you would never think of inviting. And he invites them until he fills the place up, pulling people in from off the streets, from out of nowhere. And all the people who thought that they would be there when it happened aren't. And I started thinking about the excuses and started thinking about how we could apply those. And it very quickly became that God looked out and said, you know what? This child, this child has nobody to take care of him. He is all on his own and we don't know what to do with him. I need somebody to take this child in. And someone walked up and said, oh, you know what, I would love to, but I just got a new car and the payment on that is much higher than I expected. I, I can't take on any more financial responsibility right now, so I'm going to have to turn you down. And God says, well, you know, I've got somebody here. They're sick. They've been in the hospital for a while. They've got nobody to come see them. The medical bills are piling up. Maybe you could come talk with them, help them out with these bills. And they go, well, you know what? I, my weekend is so busy. I just, I can't go see it. Maybe another time. And I was, well, okay, okay, well, well, here, this person is, they, they've, they've grown old and their, their kids are gone and there's nobody to help take care of them. They're living on their own. They just need somebody to check in on them and somebody to, Help them. Maybe you could do it. And we go, oh, you know what? I, I just signed up for this new class at the Y and I can't make it. But I'm, I'm sure that somebody will fill in. And when I started thinking about that, I started thinking about exactly what that means. We were given an opportunity and we couldn't do it and we missed the mark. We miss the mark, and if we look back at Scripture for a word that means missed the mark, and the word is sin. We often like to think about what it is we do being the sins that we have, and we don't often think about the things that we refuse to do being our sins. But when we neglect those in need by coming up with excuses why we don't have to take care of them, that's missing the mark. It's falling short of what God expects of us. Because we could help. We just weren't sure we wanted to. 
And the Bible lays this out over and over again. That the people who are sick, who need our help, that we should be taking care of them. And we see it in society today. People rationing insulin because they don't have enough to be able to treat their diabetes. People who forego medication because they're afraid it's going to cost them too much. People who have to decide between getting their cancer treated and keeping their house. People who face disaster and when they have nothing, have no one to turn to, quickly find that there's nothing there for them at all. And then comes the problem of how we too often try to give help. We get a little confused as to what our role is. And I want to clear that up. Too often the idea is somebody is in a hard place, so we look down on them and we throw them a rope and we go, I am up here doing much better than you. Look at me and I will bring you out. And there's a problem with this. And the problem is is that we introduce ourselves to the situation as the Savior. And that is not our role. Our role is that of the servant. And what that means is that when we see somebody in trouble, we don't throw a rope down in the pit and go, I'm sorry you're down there. We jump in the pit and we go, I'm going to help lift you out. And we are going to make it through this together. Because I am here for you. And the difference is that instead of looking down from a place where we can go, well, I'm glad I'm not you, we go, I'm going to bring myself down to where you are because I want to help you out of where you are and we are going to make it out of this together because we are in this together. The difference is is that we don't think of ourselves as the one doing the saving. We think of ourselves as the ones who need saved as well. Some of us can remember it wasn't too long ago that we were the ones down in the pit. We remember that God was there for us and helped lift us out. So we get down in there and we help lift others out. And we lift them up. Because the worst thing we can do is think that we are too good to help God's people. The worst thing we can do is think that we are above getting down into the trenches and doing God's work. Because when we see those in need, we see Christ Himself. That when we help somebody cover their medical bills, we are paying the medical bills of our Savior. When we see somebody who just needs a shoulder to cry on, that is Christ crying on our shoulder. When we find a child hungry and alone, we take care of that child because we are taking care of Christ. 
When someone has no one else to turn to, they can turn to us because we would never turn Christ away. And we remind them that they are never alone because we are here and Christ is with us. We help those in need because we are those in need. Our brothers and our sisters and ourselves. Because even God, seeing how lost we were, crawled down into that pit to lift us up. to take our place on the cross, to help lift us up out. That if He could come down and save us from ourselves, it surely cannot be too much to ask that we get down and help save each other in His name. God has not forgotten the abandoned and neither should we. And we should always do all that we can to serve God by serving those in need. Amen.